Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I would say I'm solo, but that would be a lie. I am here without Gavin today because, again, he is off calling the Hoopal High School Tournament right now. But, of course, the big news of the day, the New York Knicks have traded for Cam Reddish for the price of Kevin Knox and Charlotte's protected first-round pick. So I'm going to be getting into that, but I'm not going to be doing it alone. I enlisted some help. I'd be lying if I said that I've watched a ton of Cam Reddish and I didn't want to give an opinion based off just some stats and stuff. So I wanted to get some opinions from people that are watching him consistently that know the Hawks very well. So I brought in Andrew Kelly and Zach Hood from Peachtree Hoops and Swish, who's on Hawks Twitter and does a lot of Hawks spaces, uh, came on to talk Hawks with me to talk about Cam Reddish, what he's good at, what he's not good at, whether the numbers that seem to be so damning of him are really that damning or not. And we're going to get into a ton of great stuff. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you guys. So we will take a quick uh, jump here and then be right in to get into this episode. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We wanted, well, I today wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. We really appreciate you supporting us and, and supporting the show. We're, of course, available on all your favorite podcast platforms and now YouTube. So if you want to see my cool RJ Barrett hoodie today from uh, the Strickland, then you could check that out. I'm, of course, Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And today, like I said, I've got three great guests. I'll just introduce the news here real quick. So uh, Woj breaks the news earlier today. The Knicks receive Cam Reddish, uh, Solomon Hill, who is likely not long for the team, probably just going to be cut, maybe waved and stretched, I don't know. Uh, And Brooklyn's 2025 second rounder in exchange for Kevin Knox and Charlotte's protected 2022 first round pick that the Knicks got in this past draft uh, throughout all their finaglings. On that night, it was uh, the the trade that ultimately let Charlotte select Kai Jones with that pick. But that pick is protected one to eighteen this year, one to sixteen next year, and then one to fourteen the next two years after that. If it doesn't convey, meaning that basically the the uh, Hornets haven't made the playoffs or got stranded in the play in uh, for all those years, then it conveys as two second round picks in twenty twenty six or twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven, I think. So likely to probably convey as a first sometime in the next like three years or so, mid to late first, if they continue on the trajectory that they're on. But at any rate, the Knicks get a really intriguing guy in Cam Reddish. As I said in the intro, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I've watched a ton of him. You know, I, I've looked at the stats. A lot of them really are not uh, painting too pretty of a picture as far as uh, his net rating, um, what he's looking like on, you know, defensively for this team, the Hawks team right now. And But I wanted to bring on some guests that could really shed some actual light on him in in terms of having actually watched him and, you know, really have a a good opinion about him. And I wanted to get multiple perspectives. So I brought in three really good guests, uh, the first of which is Andrew Kelly, who is from uh, Peachtree Hoops. And so I'm going to just go ahead and and throw us right into my conversation with Andrew Kelly as our first guest. All right. And I'm joined now by Andrew Kelly. A contributor for Peachtree Hoops of SB Nation, who you might know on Twitter as at AndLandKel. Uh, Andrew, how you doing? And uh, you ready to talk some Cam Reddish? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm glad I have something to talk about personnel-wise other than <laughs> the Hawks uh, just losing all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I can give you the Kevin Knox scouting report after this if you really want it. Um, I don't know how much, how much you're going to get out of it. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to dive right in, you know, like not, not take any time here. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think one thing that I've noticed that the people that are sort of detracting this trade online for the Knicks today so far 
have been saying is like the numbers are not kind to Cam Reddish, particularly like the catch-alls, the the advanced numbers, that sort of thing, other than maybe his three-point percentage, which I, I will say objectively looks really good this year, especially on catch and shoot. Um, so what do you think of the, the catch-all stats have kind of been missing about Cam? And, and do you think that, like, I mean, as someone who's watching the Hawks a lot, do you think he's actually serving as, like, an active detriment on the court right now? Or is there something else going on here that, that the numbers aren't really capturing? I think it's fair to say that he is overall like a net negative. Um, that's not particularly unusual, though, for a player's age, especially guys on the wings. Um, he's getting used to having the ball in his hands more. Um, there's aspects of his role that can explain part of that. But I think it's fair to say that he, he probably has been a negative overall. It doesn't mean that he hasn't done some things well. But I think when you look at it holistically, he probably has. Um, but you mentioned like his three-point shooting. That's really been probably the biggest area of improvement for him this year. Um, he's shooting 48% from the corners. Um, he's a good contested shot maker, even on catch and shoot looks. Um, for example, like he's 67 percentile overall on catch and shoot, but 74th percentile guarded. And he has more shots that are guarded than unguarded. Um, for Knicks fans that want to see kind of like what he is at his best, if you go back and look at the Bulls game from last month, um, he had, I think, maybe like eight threes off the top of my head. But he had some really impressive uh, shot making. So that's sort of what he looks like at his best. But to answer your question, yeah, I think he probably is a negative overall, but I think that there is a player in there. And I think that there's definitely some like points of improvement that might be helped with better uh, circumstances. So there, there's some stuff that was uh, more in his scouting report going into Duke, like coming out of high school that I, I think sort of got squashed a little bit when he was at Duke. But then, you know, I think that from what I understand, the Hawks experimented with this a little bit, which is sort of like, creation and, and playmaking from him and I it, it sounds like based off what I'm hearing today that sometimes his creation I mean he's he's okay at finding his shots but he's not necessarily taking good shots particularly like in the mid-range and stuff like that like there, there is some evidence to suggest that he's really not shooting well on pull-ups 29.6 percent overall uh, he's also shooting about that same number from three as well uh, so that's not a number you love to see from you know pulling up uh, off the dribble type stuff but that is a skill that the Knicks front office really loves. So, like, I think that that's probably something that they see in him that they're looking to embrace. Uh, sort of similar to, you know, the the free agent signings they made this year, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. Those are big, you know, points of, of emphasis with them is that they can, you know, create. They can shoot off the dribble really well, that sort of thing, and find those look. Alec Burks can do that, and that's a guy that gets a ton of minutes. R.J. Barrett is growing into that. As well, Julius Randle, obviously, that was his bread and butter last year was, you know, creating and and that sort of thing. But the other important thing with those guys is that they're really good at, you know, identifying when to pass out of those situations, too. And that's something that, you know, I think Cam had a rep for before college as well as being sort of a creator. But in the pros like this year, for example, has an assist percentage of seven point one percent. I mean, that doesn't really suggest that he's looking for others too often because uh, even even among somewhat low assist guys, you know, at the wing and guard spots, that's still pretty low, uh, all things considered. So what do you think about that? You know, as far as this creation and playmaking, is there is there something there? Is there like a framework that you think that could be worked with? Or do you think that he's, you know, not so much that player and it's going to be more of like ideally a, a three and D type guy? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good synopsis of what he does and what he doesn't do well. Um, he shot 30% from mid-range this year, and he's taking like the most mid-range shots from his career. So he's 30% of his shots are actually mid-range shots. Um, he is like a good catch-and-shoot guy, as you mentioned at the start of the pod. So you would ideally like to see you know more of that from him than his self-creation, where he's really limited by his handle. He's never really had a great handle, and that's something that's going to have to be refined for him to unlock that. Um, he, 54% of his shots are self-created if you use like the PVP stats proxy for that. And that means that basically, you know, you're holding the ball for two or more seconds and, uh, the league average on those is 47%. So he's above league average as far as like how many he takes, but he shoots 43% uh, effective field goal percentage on those and league average is 47%. So you have a pretty big split as far as like, he's taking a lot, but he's not making a lot. And this all comes back to just really taking too many mid-range shots, um, if, if you catch him every now and then, like he does have like some pretty spin moves um, that can make him look like really impressive uh, from mid range. But it, when you look at the numbers, it's just, you know, it hasn't been there. So I think that sometimes he can be underrated as far as like going to the rim. Like he's, he's developing a decent floater, like from short mid range that you'll see he has more of a guards kind of game. Um, he doesn't have a lot of like vertical pop. So he has to rely on that more when he starts to get into the painted area. 
but he does offer some rim pressure and he's pretty good at getting fouled. So I think sort of like what you would look for him to do is operate primarily as like a, a catch and shoot kind of guy. And then also be a weapon off closeouts, you know, not settling for mid range shots, not trying to get your shots up when they're there, but just trying to get to the rim. You know, when, when you can't get that shot off, I think is what you'd like to see him do. He will like flash like an impressive pass every now and then. He had like a, a really nice kind of over the shoulder pass and pick and roll uh, not too long ago. So you'll, you'll see that and you think, okay, I think there, there could be something there. But then, you know, I mean, he's got more turnovers and assists for his career. So the numbers just don't really support that, like, what may be there aesthetically sometimes, you know, that I think people see in him. Um, but I, I think that there is something there. And I think that uh, if you actually look at his numbers, like scoring at a pick and roll, they're, they're not that bad, but he just settles a lot. And he has a lot of kind of predetermined reads where it's like, I, I'm going to shoot now, you know, and that's, 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 definitely, that's definitely something that, that impedes him. Do you think maybe in the, to circle back a little bit to the mid range shooting, obviously I think his jumper looks pretty pure, you know, like based off of, you know, watching some tape of him and then, you know, his percentages like from three shooting 38% bears that out 90% from the free throw line. I mean, that's obviously like elite level, you know, as Knicks fans were pretty familiar with like Emmanuel quickly sort of like that as well. Um, But do you think that maybe the case with his mid range stuff is more that he's just sort of taking stuff from the practice court that maybe shouldn't be leaving the practice court just yet and trying things that he's not fully comfortable with on the court? Or do you think he really just, is there like a fundamental difference between how he shoots uh, on the pull-up versus how he shoots, you know, just from stationary, like a free throw or a spot up three? Yeah. I, I think when you look at a lot of his misses, a lot of times like his leg, like his lower body just does not look right. Like his, his knees will be too far out or too far in, but when he actually has his feet set, he's like quite effective. So I think that, when he has less like predetermined reads where he's just, you know, uh, let me get to my mid range spin, you know, pull up uh, <laughs> Jay. When, when he, when he starts to think it out like a little bit more and he has better process and he has more of a rhythm on it and actually has a consistent mechanics on his lower body, I think he can. Um, but it's just, it's hard to see that being a strength of his game when you look at it, you know, now for three years, it hasn't been, and he's taking the most mid range shots of his career. So I think that's just something in general you would like to see less of from him. I just think that's ultimately what it boils down to. But he he does still have like his flashes there. So it's you know it's fine you know you know short shot clock offense with like four seconds left on the clock or something like that. But it's not something you want to be as bread and butter by any means. Yeah. So I, I think this sort of leads to you know you've sort of you've sort of given some you know bits and pieces to this, but to put it all together, what would the ideal version of Cam Reddish look like to you? And then based off what you know about the Knicks, which you know, I if it's the same as what I know about the Hawks, I mean, obviously they had the playoff series last year, but, you know, they've had some regular season meetings, that sort of thing. Do you think that he could find that ideal version of himself in New York? I think for me, like sort of like my high end, like upside comp for Reddish, like going back to when he was a prospect, and I've always been like, I would say fairly optimistic about him. Is like, you know, Houston Rockets, Trevor Ariza, essentially somebody that is adequate at checking, you know, the other team's best player and also adequate from three on like pretty good volume. Like that's the type of player that can start for a contender that plays for a long time and is a complimentary piece in team building structure, team building structure. So I think that's like what you would like to see from Reddish. Um, just having... I guess less license to kind of freestyle and do stuff that can be detrimental is like what you want to kind of dial, ba- dial back on. But with the Knicks specifically, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I know at times they've been kind of short on second creators and that was like, you know, the thesis of why they got Fournier. So if they could develop his passing a little bit more, if they're more patient with them, it's possible he could unlock that part of his game a little bit more. But I, I think ultimately what it boils down to is like he has upside as like a catch and shoot guy. Like he's, six foot you know probably six foot eight somewhere in that range and he's got a long wingspan so he has like a lot of margin for error even on hard closeouts to get a shot off so i think that's something that could be really useful for the knicks especially if they start to explore like more with like rj barrett's creation addition to randall's like he's somebody that could really take advantage of like kickouts to the corner and things like that so i think it's possible for reddish i mean i think he has to kind of learn what his best role is in the NBA. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. And like, you know, that, that's how I think he could be successful. If he's willing to sort of settle into a complimentary, you know, supplementary kind of piece, as opposed to being like, you know, someone that had the second most self-created attempts on the Hawks. Like, I think that could work. So I think there's definitely a player there. And I think it was a good move for the Knicks to try and like buy low on him. But it just, you know, he still has a lot that he needs to actualize to be a good player. So that uh, it, it, the move for the Knicks to buy low, you know, obviously you think this was a buy low. So 
I'm just curious, what were your thoughts on the trade when it broke? Like, how, how are you feeling about it now? Or, I don't know, six, seven hours removed from it. I know there's usually a little bit of clarity that comes outside of the initial moment of a big trade, as we learned with, like, the Porzingis trade and stuff like that. Um, but how, how did you feel about the move and how are you feeling about it now? Well, I was expecting him to get traded. I mean, he's wanted out for a while, so that wasn't really a surprise for him to get moved. I mean, that he got moved ahead of the deadline, I guess, was a little bit surprising. And the Knicks weren't the team that I necessarily expected, even though there was that re- report tying uh, them to him a couple of days ago. Um, but it, it's really something that I like for both sides. Like from the Hawks' side, uh, they have a player that they weren't going to keep, they wanted to move on. And they got a uh, protected first that, you know, if you're bullish on Charlotte, I think that probably does eventually convey as a mid first. You know, I think it becomes. Um, seconds in like 2026 if it doesn't convey before then but I think that they're going to be a playoff team before then um, so I think it's good from the Hawks side and from the Knicks side I mean giving up a protected first for like Reddish who still has a year plus on his rookie deal like that makes sense I mean he was you know obviously he was teammates with Barrett at at Duke so you hope that he can you know relate to him on a personal level and kind of encourage him to like bring out his best qualities so I think it was like something that made sense for you know both sides you know it's the Hawks got what they were looking for and I think the Knicks got what they were looking for Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for popping on, Andrew. I really appreciate all the insight and everything and the great stats and analysis. Do you want to just remind everybody where to find you online, where to find your work and all that good stuff? Yep. Uh, I use uh, A. Kelly on Twitter, A-N-D-L-A-N-K-E-L-L. Just mainly tweet about the Hawks, but some NBA stuff in general. But yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on, man. Cool. Thanks so much for popping on. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll bring you on another time. If it, <laughs> I don't think the Knicks and Hawks are going to beat the playoffs again this year. Yeah, for I don't being know, realistic. Man. Maybe so, the play in. We'll see. And we'll figure something out. <laughs> but thanks so much for popping on, man. Yep, I'll see you. All right. That was a great convo with Andrew Kelly. So going to take our first break now, though, and remind you that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. You've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time for a limited time. PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you just have to use code NBA. That's right. With this exclusive offer for Locked On fans only, you can use code NBA to get a $50 free credit if any of your picks scores even a single point on PrizePix. What is PrizePix, though? PrizePix is the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop game on the market. It offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes every game. It offers every prop you can think of for points, assists, rebounds, threes made, you name it, they got it. And you can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's really just you versus the projected numbers. PrizePix also allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on Embiid, come out with the under on Rodgers in the same entry. Maybe uh, against the Hawks in the Knicks next game, you want to take uh, the over on Cam Reddish points. You could do that combined with, you know, betting on uh, anything else going on in sports that day. And you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So go to prizepix.com today or go to your App Store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get a $50 get a $50 free credit if your prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your prize picks entry scores a single point. It's going to happen. You're going to get free $50. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. So now we're going to come into our second segment. This is where I'm going to talk with uh, Zach Hood from Peachtree Hoops. A bit about Cam Reddish's defense. I thought this was a really good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, I'm joined now by Zach Hood, who you might know on Twitter as at ZHood underscore. He's a writer and editor at Peachtree Hoops and Clutch Points. Zach, how you doing, man? How's how's things been for you today with this uh, Cam Reddish news? I'm doing well. Not that surprising. I actually saw something like two days ago that said the Knicks were interested. So, I mean, I didn't think it would happen this fast. But uh, Cam has been in rumors since the draft or, you know, leading up to the 2021 draft. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah surprising. Uh, not that surprising. Uh, the return, I think, you know, I think Hawks fans at least would have liked to get more in terms of the protections and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's always crazy when someone gets traded in January kind of. But with Cam and with the Hawks, six games under 500 I don't think it's you know it's not the most shocking thing that could have happened 
Yeah. So I, I wanted to, we'll, we'll get more into, you know, the, the Hawks fan perspective on it and everything in a minute. I did want to kind of get into his defense though. So, you know, I, I, the numbers have been shared a, a million times today by Knicks fans, certainly uh, people that are not sold on the deal or whatever, uh, obviously from basketball reference uh, with their on off, they have uh, the Hawks as being 14.3 points worse per 100 with him on the court. Uh, he has similar numbers on NBA stats. They have him as a minus 10 net rating, which I would say is probably the worst of all the regular rotation players. So I, I, there was actually some pretty positive stats shared out today on him as well. But first I wanted to get into like, how do you think he's looked on defense, you know, to read fan reactions from Hawks fans? I feel like people mostly view him as more of a, uh, like a, a defensive minded prospect. You know, people seem to think that he has this, this potential ceiling is a really good defender. Uh, but you know, the numbers really aren't bearing that out. Obviously, if you look at the the net ratings and, and just sort of the impact metrics, you know, like there's uh, if you look at some of the, the, uh, the ones like D LeBron, D Raptor, um, that sort of thing. He's, he's in the very low percentiles, like D LeBron, for example, first percentile, 13th percentile on D Raptor. It really doesn't paint a pretty picture, even though those stats aren't perfect and the catch-alls never are. But, you know, what's been your thoughts on his defense? And, you know, has he been like a detriment to the Hawks on that end? Or do you think that he's sort of just figuring things out? Is it schematic? Is it, you know, what do you think it is? Well, I think it's been worse this season, honestly, than it was maybe at any time in his career, other than his first, like, 10 games or something. Um, I don't know the reason for that. I know he's been um, – pretty healthy this season he hasn't missed like a, a chunk of time or anything um which in the past he has kind of struggled with not I don't want to say he's injury prone but he's had a couple things that kept him out a while so he just if you go look at his games played compared to like RJ or someone from that class um that's been durable he's only played I think 115 or 20 games in two and a half years so it's one of those seasons was cut off at 67 games so it's not like he missed you know, whatever, 50 games or whatever that season. But um, I don't know. I just – I kind of think it's a combination of things. I think the, the second unit, he's playing with Gallinari, Gorgi Jing, Lou Williams, and it's like four dudes who can't defend in Cam Reddish. And that's – I mean, maybe it's five dudes who can't defend. I don't know. But to have one guy that really even is profiled as, you know, a good defensive player or even an above average defensive player on your second unit when teams are staggering, you know, two starters and three guys that are probably not as old and immobile as Gorgie Jing and Danilo Gallinari, it can be tough to get stops. And I think Cam hasn't been disciplined this season, to be honest. He's, he's gambled a lot. He ends up flying out going for some turnover and then people are going downhill at Gallo and Jing. So that's why they got killed so bad when he was out because then they go back on offense and it's just Lou Williams and Cam Reddish taking turns shooting bad shots. And then there's no transition defense. So like there are very, very specific reasons that you, you wouldn't see if you didn't watch that the numbers look so bad. And it's not just like, Oh, they put Cam in. They're about to get destroyed here. Like No, like if Cam played with Trey Collins and Capella all the time, he might still be just as bad, but those numbers would obviously look way better. He's played a lot of minutes with some not great lineups. And I don't know if that'll yeah. – I don't know if that'll get better in New York or not. I'm not saying, like, he's going to go to New York and all of a sudden be the great defender, but I don't think he was in a good situation to put up good stats um, in terms of all those on-off yeah. things that you're yeah, that's certainly something the Knicks fans can relate to, you know, because the Knicks have some some pretty good individual defenders. But with the Knicks, it's kind of been the opposite. The starters, you know, for most of the year, they've finally been kind of turning it on lately. But for most of the year, the starters were no good. So you had some guys that were putting up pretty decent, you know, defensive performances. And, you know, I test, you'd be like, OK, this guy is still a pretty good defender, you know, be R.J. Burke or R.J. Barrett, Alec Burks, uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson at times, stuff like that. But the overall numbers were not looking great because, you know, the the whole unit that they were with was just so rotten to the core that nobody could really defend. So if that's sort of the case with the the Hawks defense on that bench unit, I think that's pretty relatable uh, to the to Knicks fans. 
I also, so a, a good account. I mean, I, I guess I'm a little biased. It's associated with my website, the Strickland, but uh, analytics on Twitter um, shared some stats that were pretty interesting to me. So some of them were from uh, B-Ball Index, which we always love B-Ball Index, but as far as hustle stats and that sort of thing, Cam apparently was uh, 95th percentile in passing lane defense, 86th percentile in defensive matchup difficulty, uh, 85th percentile in, or I'm sorry, 84th percentile in on-ball perimeter defense, 84th percentile in, well, this doesn't apply to this, but catch and shoot three-pointers. That's great, actually. And 77th percentile in defensive versatility. So all those suggest, I mean, B-Ball Index looks at things a little more granular and just sort of looks at the player rather than the unit that they're with. So that seems to bode pretty well. It makes it seem like he might be a, a good Tibbs player. And then with some some hustle stats, uh, these came from per 36ers. Uh, he was among 250 players, eighth in deflections, 29th in contested threes, 36th in loose balls recovered, and 45th in distance traveled. So those all bode pretty well. So uh, do you sort of think, and I, I sort of think I, I know the the answer based off where you're going in, in that first answer, but do you think his troubles are a little more based in uh, effort level, or do you think they're more based in scheme? Because to me, those numbers would seem to paint a guy that is pretty active on defense and is doing a pretty good job there. No, he he's active. I think, I mean, I don't think he's Draymond as far as like focus level, but he definitely has, you know, mistakes on defense, but I don't think it's usually because he's not trying, you know, I think as far, especially for a third year player who's from Duke and wants to score, I think the effort level on defense is completely, you know, there. And I think, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, all those stats you bring, especially, I mean, I know we're talking about defense, but he is a great catch and shoot uh, three-point shooter, or at least he has been this season. He's actually shooting almost 90% on free throws. So, like, you can kind of see, like, the, the shooting talent there. The reason the overall percentages are so bad is because of his shot selection. He takes a lot of tough long twos, a lot of ugly uh, traffic floaters. And, like, he, he just plays, like, with, with a package, with a bag that he doesn't have. That's really the best way. It's like a pickup player when it's like pass the ball, man. Like, and it's not always. There are games where he is good and he makes the extra pass and he's on time with his reads and stuff. But there are games when he just doesn't and he just kind of stops with the ball. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think where you're talking about the starters versus the bench. I don't know that he fits with the starters on offense, but he does on defense. And then it sounds like he doesn't fit with the bench on defense. So, like, him and Randall and Barrett, that's, you got to have more shooting, I mean, in my opinion, especially when all three of those guys like to pound the rock and go do their own thing. So, I, there are some concerns there, but I think for the Knicks, as far as the overall scheme, like, or overall, like, view of it is um, the protection on the picks makes it where, like, I mean, the worst case is you lose, like, the 19th pick this year or something. Like, I don't – I don't know. Like, I don't really hate it at all. I actually like it for the Knicks. I think the Hawks just did it because, like, they're tired of talking about it. They've lost eight out of ten. They've lost nine in a row at home. If Cam is, like, this thing where he's like, oh, I want shots, I want shots, they're like, all right, dude, just go get them because, like, we can't sit here and lose over and over and talk about you over and over. And, you know, I think they got to a point where they realized that was almost, like, if not the ceiling on the deal, that was pretty close to it. So, you know, I think it makes perfect sense from the Knicks side because, I mean, it looks like this is – I don't want to make your your base here mad, but this looks like maybe not a championship season. So picking up a piece like Reddish and giving him minutes is a good idea. And also, if you did somehow get to that point where you want to beat the Nets, he can guard all three of those dudes. So, yeah, he's a good guy to, he's a good guy to have. It just is just done in Atlanta. It just something needed to change, and he was not going to get an extension here, so he got traded. Yeah, trust me when I say you're not you're not going to anger anybody in Knicks fandom except for maybe the most delusional homer types if you say that this team is not competing for a championship this year because I think much like the Hawks, all I see is those videos after they lost to the Hawks. So I don't know who's yeah. who in, in the Knicks fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, if all you watch is the side talk videos, you might get a very <laughs> different opinion of the Knicks fans. Yeah. 
Um, people on the people yelling on the street in the middle of a pandemic. So. Yeah, yeah, there is a there is a lot of that going on after certain games or whatever. People get a little rowdy. Yeah. You get a little well, taste of success, but people can't say that they don't care though. That's always it, good. Yeah, yeah, people definitely do care. That's for sure. Uh, well, I was going to ask what your reaction was when the trade news broke, but that pretty much covered it. So what I'll, what I'll close with with you is uh, what do you see if you're going to look in your crystal ball? You know, what do you think Cam Reddish's uh, floor could be and what do you think his ceiling could be based off what you've seen so far in the NBA? Because it, it sounds to me like he has a lot of really intriguing tools and that's sort of my opinion on him, too. But I, I almost wonder if maybe he might do like. It, 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 having both worked as writers, you know, you learn a lot about like self-editing, like, you know, you could write 3000 words, but maybe you should, par- you know, parse that down to a thousand or something, you know? And I almost wonder if Cam Reddish is, you know, should start parsing down his skill set a little bit and start doing the things he does best. If he wants to really stick in the league, which would be like defending, it sounds like is a, is a good point for him. Um, and then basically sort of, from a Knicks fan perspective, playing almost like how Quentin Grimes plays, which is mostly being a spot-up shooter with the ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit and do some things with the ball in his hands that way, but not necessarily looking to be Kobe Bryant out there every time. So what's your sort of read on that? Like, what do you think as far as a, a floor ceiling for him in the NBA for the rest of his career here? Well, I think he was making strides in that department as far as, like, playing within the team and – you know, I don't think he was malicious in his shot attempts. I think he just wanted to be aggressive, and it doesn't always look pretty when you don't have, you know, a million reps in the league. So his floor, though, like his absolute floor, like the complete, like, worst thing I could see is Nick Young. <laughs> like just some jacker who never gives up on being the 20-point-a-game guy. Because, I mean, Nick Young could kind of, like, sort of defend if he wanted to, but he never – I don't know. That's just like the floor. He's obviously a better defender, but he's Nick Young was a great shooter. Um, so that's like the floor floor. Maybe like a little bit above the floor is just like a three and D guy that you can't really count on. But like, you know, you, he's too good to just not be on a team. Mm-hmm. You know, he just plays like like kind of like TLC. Like he bounces around on good teams on one year deals, stuff like that. And then I think kind of a median to ceiling. I guess ceiling is like, you know, 18 points a game and like really good defense. Mm-hmm. What I kind of expect would be like 12 to 15, not that efficient points a game, but he's going to get to the line and make the free throws to pull the true shooting up. He's going to hopefully uh, be like not less aggressive on defense, but like less reckless in terms of like, like you're not stealing the ball from NBA guards at a high enough rate to really like, try to do it over and over. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're getting out of position way more than you're actually getting – or fouling way more than you actually get the, like, turnover. So, I, I think there's just things that, like – I would not look at him as someone who's about to be extension eligible in terms of how old he is. I would look at him like someone who's, like, halfway through their second season and, like, needs, like – I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on here, but, like, a crap ton of reps – Um and, like, just once he gets those reps, hopefully, like, all those processing mistakes are cut out, on you know, on both ends of the court. And, like, because, like you said, all the things that you could like, like, if you were trying to talk yourself into him, there's a lot there. So if he could just kind of, like, like you said, hone in on catch and shoot. I mean, he needs to improve in playmaking, but just, like, maybe don't try to do it so much in the games until <laughs> he gets better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's... There is a struggle with that. That's been the Hawks for two years. Like, oh, if Cam, if Cam, that's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if how long it'll be before you're saying if Cam, and it's been like six months. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it hasn't been like a seamless like, oh, Cam improved on this. Like, he's kind of up and down, and it, like one night he's like amazing, and the next night it's like, who the hell is that? And like, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to Knicks fans like just like violent reactions in whatever direction this goes. Like if he scores like 24 on Saturday and they beat the Hawks, I cannot wait till people to say like we traded the next McGrady or not. We, but the Hawks traded the next McGrady or whatever the people are going to crazy. People are going to say, or if he's terrible, you know, then the Knicks fans are going to say like, cut this guy, like whatever, <laughs> you know, um, it, yeah. it, it's just, it's the way Hawks fans are with Cam too. And it's like, not even people can't help it. They either hate him 
or they think he's like a star. I don't know if it's Duke, just the fact that he like looks really cool. Like that's what I think will be new, good about New York is like he won't have to be a star to be a star. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's Duke, he's Duke, he's Cam Reddish. He's already like a cult figure between his own his own peers, like worshiping. As far as like in the high school AAU days, like everyone just thinks Cam's amazing mm-hmm. and loves him. So he's gonna be like if he's good enough to stay in the rotation, he's gonna be like so popular and like get like so much New York stuff off the court that he might not care about the shots anymore. I think in Atlanta, it's like you're either Trey or you're not. So mm-hmm. New York, there's room for like a lot of stars. You know what I mean? Even like Jeremy Lin or who you don't have to be like the MVP to like sell a bunch of jerseys and stuff, you know, in New York. So I, I think it's a good fit and it's a good place for him to like just be himself because like I said, he, he kind of likes the attention and the cameras and like they'll just always be there. He doesn't have to like, you know, do anything spectacular to make yeah. news in New York. So well and hopefully being reunited with some other guys from his his general draft class, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, all those guys too. Maybe we'll have that that sort of uh, effect on him to to help him get himself uh, on the best track for his career too. But at any rate, Zach, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate all the insights uh, into Cam here. And uh, do you want to just remind everybody where to find your work and where to find you on Twitter and all that stuff before we sign off? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the last thing. Uh, it's only going to take like a four game winning streak, and Stephen A is going to be screaming Cam Reddish on on ESPN. But, <laughs> I cannot uh, wait. <laughs> just, I, I can't. It's going to be funny because I can't wait to get mentioned. Like, why do we trade him or what? Like, whatever. But yeah, no. You can find me on Twitter at zhood underscore, like you said, um, and then Peachtree Hoops uh, Clutch Points. I do mostly like betting and stuff like that over there. So if you're into that, check that out. But Appreciate you having me on. And, you know, anytime. Good luck. Um, hopefully, Cam works out for the next people. So, all right. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll bring you back for a for a check in show on Cam Reddish at some point. All right, we're gonna take our second break, and just wanted to let you guys know this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy betting New Year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. There's, it's a new year, and the new updated desktop and mobile site is now available to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just got to use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, and so now I will bring us into our third conversation. And I talked to Swish, who's active on Hawks Twitter, active in a lot of Hawks spaces, and who has a podcast of his own coming out again soon. Uh, we talked about sort of Reddish's fit with the Knicks and what his role might be and how he might be able to thrive here. And also just kind of what his role was in Atlanta, if he was being misused, things like that. So I thought we had a really good conversation to close the show out here. So without further ado, I'll bring it into my conversation with Swish. All right, I'm joined now by Rish, who you might know as Swish on Twitter, at SwishRVG. Super active Hawks fan in Twitter spaces, uh, going over the Hawks all the time there. And uh, Swish, first off, thanks for coming on. And secondly, I want to just hop right into it because we're all we're all very uh, eager for all this Cam Reddish information. So when we were talking a little bit before the show, uh, you had said that you were kind of uh, interested in, in how Cam's going to fit in New York. And I'm sure that a lot of Knicks fans are really interested in that, too. You know, the team is already pretty heavy on wings, you know, so we have uh, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, who, contrary to what Tom Thibodeau thinks, is not a point guard. Uh, he is a wing. And Quentin Grimes are all healthy. They're all really productive right now and doing great things for the team. So I'm kind of curious what you think as far as how Cam's going to fit in here because I think his usage has been, you know, a, a little, you know, varied in Atlanta. It seems like, you know, it's just I'd be lying if I said I've watched a ton, but I seem to remember that they were sort of having him handle uh, initiation duties off the bench a little bit. Uh, it says on his basketball reference that he's played most of his time at small forward, but a decent amount of power forward this year. So. You know, maybe he's being used in small ball like that. I mean, what what do you think is going to be the ideal way to use him in New York? Um, well, for one, I think the best way to phrase Cam Reddish's fit in New York is that in the current state of the NBA, 
you just can't have enough three-point shooting wings. I feel like, you know, aside from star players, it's the most valuable position on the court. And it's an added plus when those guys can create a shot for themselves. So the first kind of bullet point I had in mind was that Cam Reddish from the catch and shoot has been shooting north of 40%. Now, sometimes there is inconsistencies in his on-ball creation, which as you can see, he's not the most efficient player uh, when you look at his stats on like reference or whatnot. Um, but you do see glimpses of rare on-ball creation that you don't see in most young wings. Um, that being said, it is still that it's still best used. It's the best way to use him as a catch and shoot player, which I think is really going to work in New York because one of the ways that I thought Julius was thriving last year was because he had a guy like Reggie that was moving around the perimeter and really being able to catch those outlet passes, which I think would really favor both Reddish and Randall in a situation in New York. Um, as far as defensively goes, I think you know a lot of us overstated how good he was defensively, but there is a lot of potential on that end. Um, he is a rare blend of size and lateral movement. He's 6'8", with, I believe, a near 7-foot or maybe at 7-foot wingspan. Um, and he does show instances where he can use that size to um, really distract opponents. I mean, early in last season, uh, before he went down with injury, he did a masterful job on Kevin Durant. And we saw kind of how he can be a distractor on in an on-ball situation. Now, that being said, we haven't seen too much on-ball premise but I think that goes to kind of the dysfunction of the Hawks this season and the fact that really no one is, is seeming to buy into defense on that team. Um, with a guy like Tibbs, you know, if you want minutes on the court, you're going to have to play defense. I think everyone in the league knows that, and I think Reddish knows that, and I think around a bunch of guys that, from my eyes at least, and of course you guys watch more than me, but from my eyes it seems that everyone seems to buy into Tibbs' plan and method. Um, I think that's a really good environment for Cam to reclaim that defensive potential that he showed um the way i like to describe cam best defensively is kind of like a free safety in football he's not a guy that's like a lockdown corner where he's going to strap you up you know from one side of the court to the other but he is a guy that knows how to intercept passing lanes he loves reading that stuff he loves coming up with those kind of pick play steals where he can get out in the fast break and and really you know showcase his athleticism but uh, as far as on-ball goes, there is some inconsistencies there. I don't think he'll ever become like a true lockdown defender by any means, but a guy that can give you a solid defensive effort in night and show occasional glimpses uh, of really high on-ball defensive potential and a guy that I think does succeed off-ball uh, is what you should expect while, you know, that catch-and-shoot three comes around and the highlight finishes. Um, that being said, he's not a perfect finisher at the rim. He does not have a high finishing percentage, but you see the talent there. And again, it, it's all about potential. And when you make a trade like this, when you're not giving up a lot, um, you know, you, you roll the dice on a guy like Cam Reddish for sure. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of leads nicely into, uh, I was, I'm actually going to flip flop the, the questions in the order I was thinking of asking them here, because you mentioned, you know, all these different glimpses that you've seen. And, you know, it sounds familiar to, to us as Knicks fans, for sure. I mean, there's definitely guys where we've, We've had just glimpses, you know what I mean? Like Miles McBride, he comes in, he plays a little bit, plays great defense, whatever. But, you know, it's just a glimpse. Other times he's come in, he's looked like he's a little less comfortable. One thing for sure, though, is like it, you nailed it on the head right there. Like Tibbs definitely requires defense out of especially his young wings. You know what I mean? Like the, it, there's been a little bit of, you know, as Knicks fans, we we sort of bemoan the fact that he has sort of different standards for young guys versus vets sometimes. So, you know, Julius Randle or Evan Fournier, for example, might not be held to quite the same defensive standard as like, uh, you know, RJ Barrett or Obi Toppin or uh, Quentin Grimes. As far as, you know, if you have a couple misses on defense, are you going to get left off the hook or is Tibbs going to give you the quick hook? Cam is probably going to fall on the ladder there with getting a quick hook if he's not really showing up on defense. And so I wanted to ask, do you think his play is, is offering more than the stats suggest? Because obviously the three-point shooting stands out. He's shooting really close to like 40% this year. A lot of that's on a diet of catch and shoot, which if the Knicks keep playing how they've been playing lately, which is quite well, you know, he should get a lot of catch and shoot looks, which should bode well for him. Uh, but his impact numbers on off, you know, type stats, those are, they're pretty like alarmingly bad. 
Um, yeah. You know, he's one of the only guys consistently getting minutes on the Hawks that shows up as like a minus 10 in on off, which is just not great. You know, you want to be looking for more than that. Uh, or the basketball reference has him, I think, is a, a minus 15 and a half or 14 and a half or something like that. So just not great stats all around as far as those are concerned. Do you think those are accurate or do you think he's just sort of been with bench units or whatever or just units that weren't suited to his strengths and then that sort of led to those numbers or, you know, what would you attribute that to? Yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to what I said about him not really buying in on defense this season. And like I said, I, I really fault the whole team. I don't think that's an individual issue. Um, I do think he offers more than especially like the plus minus metrics suggest. The problem with how Cam Reddish was in Atlanta was not only was like he put into a situation where he had to be his own initiator. You know, like you just said, with a lot of bench lineups, um, DeLon Wright was supposed to be our backup guy that initiated the offense. But now we realize DeLon Wright is, is not the guy that can really initiate everything. No, nothing against him. I think he's been decent. But now you have Cam Reddish going out there with Lou Williams and Danilo and three of those guys that are just really just out there looking for their own shot and take a lot of clock, um, take a lot of time off the shot clock. Um, so that really puts everybody into a kind of uncomfortable situation where, you know, if, if Gallo's posting up and taking a lot of time off the clock and then kicking it out to Cam where he has to kind of either, either he does make the catch and shoot or he's kind of trying to get a mid-range shot and create for himself, that's where the problems begin. Uh, it's that kind of stagnancy on offense that I think has led to uh, the plus minus metrics looking that bad. You know, that being said, he has not been like a high impact player this season for us there's been games and stretches where he has but it hasn't been like a consistent all-around effort that's why even if you like narrow down the plus minus you'll see that he doesn't work well with Trey either he does need to have his own kind of freedom where he can create for himself but he also needs it to be where it's like in sort of rhythm um the way I look at Cam I feel like you know his kind of his star outlook is pretty high he has a ton of potential right but if like he just plays out who he is, I think it's kind of similar to how Kelly Uber is in the sense that, and, and maybe a little bit more so than Kelly Uber because Kelly Uber is not that good of a shooter, um, but a guy that can occasionally, he's a rhythm type of score, a guy that's going to sizzle off the catch and shoot. And if he starts getting into his rhythm, that will expand other assets of his game. Like he'll start locking up on defense. He'll start uh, feeling comfortable driving to the rim. So I do think the plus minus metrics is, is a little bit misrepresentative just because our bench lineups have been so horrid this season. But at the same time, you know, it hasn't been it hasn't been it's not like he's been so good that this is just like some crazy uh, numerical status that is um, affecting the way people look at him. Like there's definitely the bad side of Cam Reddish, but the good side of Cam Reddish is also like total opposites. Cool. Uh, so I, I want to take this just a little more a little more big picture like meta what was your reaction when you first saw the trade today like what what do you think about what the the hawks did do you think this this shows that there's going to be something bigger coming for the hawks like what was your overall reaction um so yeah i mean i can't tell you and sit here that i was happy with the trade i was pretty disappointed i mean not just because you know hawks nation does hype up cam reddish but you know i'm only 23 so cam reddish is a guy like you know if you followed high school hoops Cameron was a big-time high school player, one of the top-rated players. Of course, he went to go play with RJ and Zion at Duke, and that was, like, you know, the biggest thing. Um, so I've been high on Cam Reddish since I don't even know when, for years now. Came into the league when the Hawks drafted him. I was ecstatic. I was more ecstatic about drafting him than Hunter. Um, you know, going back, I, I like Hunter a lot too. But, um, you know, it, it hurts because it felt like – you know, I was talking to my friend about this the other day. Like, when you have a team full of kids – it feels like your potential is limitless. And then when you make the move to get vets, because I feel like from the Hawk, from my fan, from my perspective as a Hawks fan, I feel like we rushed our rebuild a little bit, even though obviously we made the conference finals last year. Um, you know, it kind of hurts. It feels like we put a, a, a limit to our ceiling. Um, you know, it's fun to dream about what Cam Reddish could become. It's fun to dream about what DeAndre can become and stuff like that. Um, so it just kind of shows that, our front office wants to get a move on and capitalize uh, on Trey while we have him here. Um, and I, I do think it's part of something bigger to come. I mean, if, if you've been following, you know, what's going on with us, you know, there's a lot of turmoil right now. The locker room seems dead 
Um, the effort on the court is dead. I mean, this is this is discuss- This is worse than when we were rebuilding. Because like when we were rebuilding, we had a bunch of guys like you know Jabari Parker, uh, Malcolm Delaney. Like of course they're NBA players. I respect them, but you know they're not going to win you games. Um, and now it feels like we had a roster. Uh, we didn't really change much. We brought most of the same pieces back. We added a backup point guard in DeLon Wright. And I thought, you know, we, we were looking good heading into the season, but it's it's been tough as a fan to see. So I definitely think it's part of the bigger picture. The one name I keep hearing um, is Ben Simmons, which kind of feels ironic at this point, given how last season's playoffs turned out. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a hard day for a Hawks fan that, you know, was a big supporter of Cam Reddish. Yeah, let me tell you, between, uh, you know, being super attached to your young core and having that feel limitless, being kind of disappointed by how things have gone this year with greater expectations, all that good stuff. There's a lot a lot more in common between Knicks and Hawks fans than people probably realize yeah. this year. Definitely uh, for how much we all uh, get, uh, get at each other's throats online and stuff. It's definitely uh, a pretty similar situation this year. Yeah. Um, at any rate, Swiss, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate all the insights and everything. Uh, did you want to let everybody know one more time where to find you on social media and all that good stuff before we uh, sign off here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I love the podcast. My boy Fies, New York or nothing on Twitter. He put oh, me no. on to you guys. Um, but yeah, you can find me at SwishRVG on Twitter. I am working on setting my podcast back up. It's called The Swish Sports Show. Me and Fies actually did an episode on RJ Barrett like a year ago when he had his first breakout. Um, big fan of RJ. Much love to the Knicks. I got no beef with you guys. Um Good luck to Cam Reddish. I hope you guys ball out the rest of the season, man. Cool. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for popping on. Really appreciate that. And uh, maybe bring you on if if Cam has a big old breakout or something. Maybe we'll bring you back on for a little uh, little, uh, gloat sesh or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's it for today. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. uh, Getting all these different perspectives from all these different people from Hawks fandom. And uh, hopefully you feel more educated about Cam Reddish and, and, you know, able to form better opinions about him based off what we talked about. But uh, I certainly know I do, and, and I'm very excited to see him suit up in a Knicks uniform and see where this all goes. But uh, till next time, thank you all for listening. Of course, check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. And uh, be sure to subscribe and maybe drop a couple likes. That helps us out a ton. But uh, even if you're just listening, you know, in on the, the regular, you know, audio podcast, Really appreciate you. Appreciate you listening to this episode and uh, hope you really enjoyed it. But until next time, thanks for listening. Talk to you guys all soon. Peace out.